Welcome to The Savvy Founder, the one place for entrepreneurs and business owners, away from the everyday bustle, where we help you find your path to a profitable and bright future. Now here's your host, The Savvy Founder and armchair sociologist himself, Philip Topham. Hello and welcome. I'm Philip Topham, The Savvy Founder. And today I am really happy to be interviewing Raj. Raj, uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Great, Philip. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. So Raj, you and I met uh, through the Expert Dojo and you've joined that, uh, that accelerator. And uh, before we get into why you joined and what it's been, what's uh, you hope to get out of it and how your company is. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? What's your background? Uh, you know, first, actually, start with what's the 30 second pitch for your business? What is your business that you have, Lynn Code? And mm -hmm. uh, what are you trying to solve? Sure. Um, thanks for having me here, Philip. So, um, we are primarily into smart factory transformations. So what we really mean by that is uh, we help manufacturers uh, leverage the new technology, which is AI and computer vision and uh, automate most of their process. That's, that's what primarily we do. And we started uh, that journey with uh, uh, quality inspections, which is identifying defects on the assembly lines using cameras and uh, artificial intelligence software. That's all we do. Got it. So let, let me just make sure I have that right. So you, right now you're automating the quality assurance process. Your cameras take pictures of parts or? Yes, that's correct. So you take the pictures of the parts as it gets produced and comes out on the line. We actually capture the photos and look for anomalies in that. And then if it's a defective part, we uh, integrate with the uh, um, automation system to you know, eliminate the defective parts out of the line and uh, have the good parts going into the shipping. Got it. How did you come up with that idea? Because I don't think, uh, it, you know, when, I'm, when I was going to college, uh, you know, I was in pre-med uh, mm -hmm. in computers and also doing computers as well, but I didn't hang around factories and, and watch how they work. I didn't even know how factories worked at that point in my life. So how did you find this problem? Yeah, so that's a good question. So um, I've always learned that, you know, uh, solving challenges for the customers is a good business than uh, you take a product and going to a customer. So we actually started off this journey, you know, going to the manufacturers and asking them what all the challenges they have in their business. So our objective is to, you know, help our uh, customers you know, using technology and, um, you know, using the available infrastructure to see how we can automate their process or reduce their uh, business challenges or, uh, you know, um, improving their efficiency. So that's that's what we primarily do. And, uh, you know, I've been doing in, you know, this for the 20 years now. So, you know, this was new, not new at all. So we went to the manufacturer and asked them, you know, what all the challenges. And then we picked up the most, um, you know, I mean, topmost challenge for them, and which was quality inspections. And that is why, you know, we started working on it. Got it. So you were talking to the manufacturers, but 
how did you have the relationships with the manufacturers beginning? Were you working in the manufacturing industry or did you just blindly suddenly decide to go from like me from pre-med <laughs> to asking manufacturers, what are they doing? <laughs> no, actually, um, I've been working with the you know IT industry from quite some time. And in the last 10 years, I've been having a lot of interface with the manufacturing uh, tech space. So I used to have some kind of a product or a service for the manufacturing tech space. So I was always consistent in touch with the manufacturers from long time. So when we wanted to start LinCode, actually, you know, we wrote to them and saying that, you know, we want to interview about the problem statements. And we were blessed to have them agree for that. And they invited to their factory floor and uh, they did <clears throat> talk about, talk us through the uh, challenges. And that's how it all started. So when you said you knew some of the manufacturers, you invited, you know, you asked them for help doing some customer discovery conversations. How long had you known them before you asked them? Uh, some of them for uh, quite some time, like, you know, 10 to 12 years. And uh, some of them very, you know, newly and uh, through some introductions. Like um, I have some advisors in the company currently who helped us uh, identifying those uh, large customers who could, you know, uh, let us in their factory and uh, explain about their problems. So I want to understand that a little bit more. So of all the customers you interviewed, how many did you interview because they had you you already knew them and how many because you got introductions to them? Uh, probably the second later is more. Uh, so probably I would know about 15 to 20 customers. And then introductions were about 50, 60 introductions, you know, through which I went. So totally about 60, 70 companies is what we, uh, you know, spoke to. Actually. So for those of you listening, you, you, you know, what Raj is sharing is just because he had some connections in the manufacturing industry didn't mean that he stopped there. He leveraged all the other connections and, and got 50 to 60, you know, you've done 60 to 70 complete interviews. So in that process, when you started out, did you, you know, did you expect, you know, how, how did that journey go? You know, because you, when you, at what point in the 70 interviews, do you go, Oh, we should do this. <laughs> so what had really happened was like, you know, one of the reasons why we went to them is because uh, we, we felt that, you know, AI as a solution with, along with computer vision has a great uh, potential to, um, you know, automate most of the manufacturing process because I've, I've given them some other solutions earlier in my life. So I was pretty sure that, you know, something is going to help. So each and every process they showed we felt that yes, this is gonna be the, this is gonna be the you know case that we are gonna solve, and uh, every new you know kind of a customers we met, it was very uh, you know uh, interesting moments for us. Like we thought, okay, I guess this is the solution we are going to solve for them, and um, that's how it went for each and every uh, challenges they pointed to us. But what really happened was after we finished all of our uh, work, and once we fed it into our analytical tool. Um, you know what, it's just a normal business intelligence tool to identify, um, you know, different customers' challenge points. And then we saw that 86% pointed to quality inspections. So then we thought, okay, you know, other, though other, others are there, you know, as a challenge. But since, you know, industry has, uh, you know, compelling problem specifically on the uh, visual inspections, we thought it made sense for us to start there and then look into others because, if I solve the easiest problem today, then anybody can solve that, right? So I didn't want to 
be one among like um, 100 people so probably we we needed to be something you know very few companies in the world to solve these challenges basically so that's what we wanted to take on and um, that's why we chose uh, this particular segment very nice so after after talking to bunches of people you didn't just fall in love with the first first uh, problem you knew you could solve you really delved in and analyzed it to figure out hey they all wanted quality assurance and quality uh you know inspections and then came up the product so with that said um i take it you're a technical founder tech are, who's your are you the technical founder and do you have a, a founding team how big's your team um so the founding team is just um, two of us so we had to roll our sleeve and do most of our work so you know we don't have any specific role that like, you know i am the technical founder or the other person is so our cto is actually the technical person she worked with microsoft and adp and companies like that and um, you know i'm you know i also come from the technology background as well so i'm more towards um, you know kernels and os and stuff like that and my cto is more from the software development on the you know um database and and uh, stuff like that so we complement each other in terms of uh, you know i take care of the infrastructure and the os level and she takes care of the uh, software development in the database and uh, business logics so one of the questions that always comes up from new founders is how do i find the co-founder so how did you find your co-founder um i was lucky to uh, meet my co-founder in one of a uh, um in a startup gig that i had and uh, she was actually consulting us um so we used her as an external consultant and uh, um we worked together on a particular problem statement and she helped us with that and that's how we met and uh, we, we thought that okay this is really working well and uh, and we should do the startups so this is the second startup together for us uh, after our previous exit so one of the thing i i definitely say is um socializing is very important meeting different people and uh, taking part in a lot of um, uh, startup founders focused events like for example lunch club is one of them uh, which is which is uh, you know helping uh, people to meet from different walks of life and you can specify like you know what kind of people you would like to meet and uh, you can meet them and then of course the very old uh, meetups so meetups really help as well so you can keep meeting there and then uh, another thing is Uh, be on the you know stack overflow which is which is purely technical uh, um, write ups and stuff like that and uh, right. that helps to identify and various technical forums and linkedin groups as well so these are the various methods you need I mean one one size doesn't fit everyone so you need to identify where you are going to find out right so you never know you never know you know in in these days even uh, co-working spaces like if you are started working in a co-working office keep looking for people you know you might meet somebody interesting and they might be doing something but uh, they may not be really you know happy about that and if they find your idea interesting they might say hey look you know i want to i want to see how it works and another last last thing i would say is uh, pitch events just go to any pitch events happening in the town or pitch events happening online and uh, just be a participant and just listen how the pitch pitch goes and in that event somebody you know like you might be coming there and you might be a technical guy and uh, you may may of may may be a business person and you might you know meet there so it, it all possibilities are there so keep looking out keep looking out so 
you're obviously weren't afraid to go out to networking events and talk to people and uh, yes so yes i did <laughs> right so uh why do we give when did you develop that skill you know uh you're, you're knowing that you had to go out and talk to people were you always a social person or did you have to develop that skill no philip i was completely opposite i was completely the opposite so i started my career sitting in a data center room you know chilled air uh, you know the ac is uh, um, blowing through chill air inside a room and uh, we had to safeguard the servers right so that was my working environment you wouldn't find uh, many people inside there so i used <laughs> to i had to work you know along with the machines so so i'm more of a you know introvert very very introvert i am a very soft spoken and i don't uh, i cannot easily make friends that's not my uh, skill at all so um it was very tough for me to uh, get into the startup world initially so i had to come out of the shell i had to you know say that okay if i have to um, be successful i cannot be just a technical person i need to go out and meet people so i had to break my shell it was tough initially and i'm i'm learning you know i'm not still 100% uh, you know a social person still but what i started doing was uh, initially i gradually went alone to the startup events and uh, see what's happening or any other uh, technology events or uh, uh, you know uh, even like phone launches or uh, product launches any of those you know just go there and uh, you know uh, watch i watch there and then see how people are talking learn from that and um, what i did was um, i was sure that you know if if i have to find my business it has to be a reference like in business anywhere in the world not the, not just the us even if you go to european regions it works the same way if you go directly to a customer and if you go through a reference there are two big difference so if you go through a reference the sales closure is much faster than you going directly to a customer so going through cold calls uh, you know trying to close the business so i realized this long back and um, that's the reason why i started meeting people talking through uh, you know what we do and uh, understanding what they do trying to help it's a mutual mutual way you cannot always just say that i'll just keep meeting people and uh, they will help it's not going to happen that way so it's a mutual way so you see you have to see how you can help them in you with your connections and uh, build your connections yeah so so for those listening that's a priceless advice from raj you, you can be an introvert sitting in a cold computer room and have a dream but at some point you realize you have to go hey if i'm going to have this dream happen i got to go talk to people and raj thank you for sharing that cuz cuz that's uh you're obviously on the podcast you're answering questions you're engaging and uh, we can we can see that you're going to be building a great business so thank you for sharing appreciate it yeah thanks now in your in your background why don't we delve a little bit there cuz you're as you said you're more of a uh, a technical person and then you're going into this manufacturing space so give us a thumbnail of of your career up to this point because you also had another startup what did we talk about that yeah sure so um you know always i had this entrepreneurial mind in me so i there was a push inside me that i had to become an entrepreneur uh, you know i have to have my own startup that was why, why why did you have that push you know what was there somebody you admired when growing up or you <laughs> did your parents you push you no 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 not at all actually my parents pushed me to you know through the career and they wanted me to establish a well 
you know good career path and work for various large companies that was that was their push but i was the one who decided that i need to be an entrepreneurship it's very you know strange like you know in my old age i grew up in india in in my early age sorry when i was very young and um, i was doing uh, i was selling firecrackers so children of my age they used to uh, buy the firecrackers and uh, you know use it on the like in us you have in independence day or any other day you these firecrackers thing but in india it's during diwali it's a major festival there so a lot of people use firecrackers but here i was i went to the shop bought more you know a lot of them and then brought it home and i was selling to my neighborhood children <laughs> so i don't know why i did that but i did that you know when i was in my 8th grade i did that so um none of my parents said that you should do that but you know they supported me about whatever i did and then uh, i was very interested in electronic circuits and then i hey, 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 just like i got to share with you we, for anybody listening you should go back to listen to the episode with tom mays cuz tom mays i interviewed him and and that's what he did in middle school cuz he bought a bunch of firecrackers and sold them to friends and made a lot of money and so that's how he got into realizing that he could buy and sell products to other people buy in bulk and sell so raj you share something uh, with with another uh, person halfway around the world buying and selling firecrackers wonderful no, really really need to you know meet that person <laughs> so you know it just happened to me and then uh, in 10th grade when i moved to 10th grade uh, i started you know my interest in electronics so i went and enrolled myself in a a course where they were assembling the radios and stereo systems and stuff like and tv and stuff like that so i learned uh, you know three months course and after that i started building my own uh, stereo systems and selling it to my own friends basically so even that was um, a technical plus uh, entrepreneurial thing that you know i came into a kind of contact with this is also completely out of passion not really money was a motivating factor there it was more of technology and uh, helping the friends that was the idea there so that was the second uh, um panel gig i had and then once i reached my college uh, when i was studying um for making my own money so i used to sell computers so i used to buy the um parts so those days it used to be assembled computers so you could just go to the shop buy uh, various like motherboard your processor right. separately hard disk ram and all that you bring together and then assemble it and install the os and the software required and then sell it basically so that's what i was doing in my college so i used to have a target that i have to sell at least one computer every month so i used to you know give um, free ads or a, a free ad gig in some of the magazines and uh, newspapers and uh, somebody used to call and i uh, used to say okay i will not um, overcharge you so just pay me this much and i will do the computers for you so you can buy the parts for me i'll just do the work so they used to agree for that and i used to make a uh, good money with that so that that used to be enough for my college day section nice yeah so those those are the small uh, you know the small thing so yeah the, and it, so tell me about this other startup that you had yeah that you so then then the major thing happened so i i actually then uh, you know my family forced me to go into college uh, you know after the full time college i went to my a uh, job first job and that was uh, you know all about this cold and uh, working there and then um, i worked in uh, various locations i went to norway i was there in norway for some time and then i came to texas and i was working in texas that's the time i had a eureka moment i thought okay this is the time i'm going to start my uh, company because i met one gentleman he was talking about the problems they had in um, you know some of their software and it's a desktop based software and it's very difficult for them to remotely manage So then I saw an opportunity. I told him that you know I'm very well versed with uh, 
the uh, browser-based software. So it was not much happening those days. So ASP was released in 2002 and 2005-2006 .NET came into picture. So I told them we can use ASP.NET, which is a browser-based application. So you can have a remote access to that and you can work with the software remotely as well. So that kind of, you know, he liked it and he said, okay, can you do a quick uh, a pilot? So I did a, you know, one week pilot and showed him uh, how it works and he liked it and he said, okay, let's go ahead and do it. So then uh, that's how we started as a services company. Helping is one of his business tool and we were building a software for uh, um, Texas County Juvenile Justice Program. So we actually did a, a software group for that. And after that, gradually he started giving us more and more work and um, we became a services company. That's my first startup I ever did. And um, in 2008, when Lehman Brothers uh, you know, went bankrupt, so there are a lot of uh, economical turmoil. So um, our client couldn't pay our money and uh, we were left with a huge uh, uh, debt. And um, I had to lay off a lot of people. And um, that's when I- How big was the company that when you were, when you at the heights and then did you had to, you know- I had, I had 10 people working for me as contractors yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. So the no investors, nothing. It was completely bootstrapped, yeah. Just, uh, completely from the client's payment. So this this guy had a credit, credit period of 90 days. And that's when I, one thing I learned that like you should not have a long credit period. So that's the one learning curve there. And he had a 90 day credit period and he, he didn't pay us the 90 days and he went bankrupt. So we didn't have our money and I had to pay my staff and um, I incurred a lot of loss in that. And that's when I decided, okay, you know, service is not, not a cup of tea. So I have to focus on the product. And uh, what I did was whatever we had built him, uh, built a, as a services, we converted that, converted that into a product. Then we started going to individual customers, door-to-door -door sales kind of, and uh, we were able to sell it. And finally, you know, we got acquired in 2011. So one of a company, we went to, you know, find them as an investor. Those days, there was no conventional, uh, you know, pitch right. decks or uh, pitch events or something like that. There was no pitch events and all. Nice. But, so I had to... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for those for those listening, you know, you, you know, you... you Silicon Valley often says that you have to build this massive company and go chase after money and that sort of stuff. And and Raj simply built a services business, uh, got hammered by the 2008 you know global financial crisis, uh, but that caused you to pivot and and focus on products and learn how to build a business. And then you had an exit out of that, right? Yeah. Did that, did I get that good. right? Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got acquired uh, in, in 2011. That was a very small acquisition, but it was good for us because, you know, we were running out of cash and we wanted some support, financial support. So this investor came in as a handle for us and uh, he, he was running a, a large real estate firm and they were trying to start a, you know, IT arm. So that's what they wanted. They were looking for somebody and they acquired us. And uh, after that I had to, it was aqua hire basically. So that was the first time I got acquired. So a few lessons to learn there as well. So we, I did some mistakes in, uh, in the deal basically. So I actually uh, had to, you know, sell the company and work for them for three years. And it was a, it was not a great deal, I would say, but I had a good lessons to learn. And then I enjoyed the, process of aqua hire basically I had to be with them for three years and in that three years we, we became the initially you know when we started we became the first company uh, very few companies in the world to have uh, asp.net based applications running in a client environment it was a very challenging one to get that going those days and we were able to do that and 
uh, we, you know, when we got acquired and uh, when we were looking for new line of business, uh, because a lot of people uh, caught up with our kind of uh, products. So we went to business intelligence. We built a business intelligence tool, which was completely like a drag and drop kind of a tool. So not many companies had, only large companies uh, had those kind of a features. We were the first uh, small startup to have it. And we were able to close a lot of business in other locations like Europe and uh, um, uh, Middle East and uh, Asia as well. So we had a lot of customers for this product. So we grew, up, grew that business well. And that gave me the experience and the connects um, to go into my next startup, which was uh, actually into telecom space. And uh, I built uh, Linux kernels for them, OS for them. And uh, they got acquired by Broadcom and uh, you know other companies basically. So that was a you know good opportunity for me to uh, work with them, and uh, uh, we built a telecom uh, product, and that was my second exit, and that was basically Linux kernels and uh, OS uh, operating system, and we filed a few patents as well during that time. And after that, um, got acquired, and then we moved on, and we were thinking of what to do next. And this acquisition team had a, a financial uh, guy, investment banker. And he was saying that, you know, he has a problem. He had a lot of customers with them and uh, they were sending out some 100,000 emails every month. And uh, the newsletters were going and uh, some of them were interested in a specific thing, but they were not able to identify what's their, um, you know, customer base and whom they should be focusing. So he said he was using Salesforce and Pardot and it was becoming very expensive for him. He was not able to afford much. And especially Pardot and Salesforce integration was not very, very good at that point. So he was saying, you know, we are doing a dual work, Salesforce, data entry, whatever we are doing, we have to again do it in Pardot and it is not helping us. So that's when I suggested him that, you know, okay, you can go ahead with the Sweet, Sweet CRM, uh, which is part of Sugar CRM and open source and you can download it and you can use it. And he liked the idea, but the problem was the newsletter in the Sweet CRM was not that great. And uh, he said, you know, can you help us? That's when we figured that, you know, even in open source, you can make money. You can have open source, uh, you know, as a product, but as a plugin, you can charge the customers. You are free to charge the plugin uh, as a fee, basically. So that kind of idea we liked, and uh, we built a AI-infused uh, plugin for uh, Sweet CRM, and that was primarily like a newsletter uh, plugin that we built. So this layer was actually helping customers to uh, send out multiple, uh, you know, emails, newsletters, and uh, they could see like which part of newsletter each person is clicking and we could do some analytics about that. And that helped him to you know, spread his uh, sales network. And then he actually referred us to his own uh, uh, friends and other people. And it, within launch of three months, we had around 200 customers signed up. So that was a you know, good product and uh, we realized that it's a good one. But since it was open source, open source related, we didn't see that you know, it's gonna be a very, very big uh, company that we can make out of. So we got an exit in 2017, one of our company in the Fremont area, they acquired us uh, in 2017. So with, with all of those things, you know, different startups trying to solve problems, and now you're on Lincode, what, what was the biggest thing you learned that you're going to do different with Lincode? Yeah, the first thing is we have to make sure all the IP is ours. And we have to file patent at the right time. And uh, the next thing is um, don't you know get acquired too fast. So wait for uh, you know building the company uh, to a bigger level, and then get an you know exit or even IPO is another option. So those are the things that I learned. And um, another important thing I learned during this period is as well as uh, 
going to the customer you know helping him solve the problem will make a big product because uh, that's where you will learn that you know there is a you know uh, people who are the people who are using the product they need a proper care and if you don't you know understand them properly then your product may not fit into their uh, scheme of things yeah those are wonderful things so make sure you have the ip make sure you talk to the customer and really understand their problem wait to build the business before you exit that that about cover it yeah nice nice and as you as you're looking forward uh, what is the what what's next what are you working on next what what does lincode need to do next as you build out your business yeah so manufacturing as such is huge industry like you know we have seen it's it goes into trillion dollar industry so the technology here can keep on evolving there's a lot of scope and as long as we i mean if you see now uh, in the manufacturing itself there is a leap of uh, changes like tesla is doing various innovations um, you know suddenly the space industry is really doing really well a um, lot of companies are now venturing into it and new ventures like uh, boeing uh, boring company has come in and then uh, you have this uh, uh you know uh, bullet trains or you know i i forgot the term which is now um elon musk is working on from san francisco to la he's working on idea where you can take passengers in that um uh, i think you're talking about the loop oh yeah loop that's correct yeah loop these are all new you know tech you know inventions which is happening and this is going to be creating a new you know um, opportunities in the manufacturing so there's going to be a lot of things happening in the manufacturing sector so uh this is one thing we really you know understood and uh, we are gradually growing in the you know manufacturing sector so we are identifying one large customer and then working with them as an account and uh, identifying more problem statements there and then closing all of that and uh, working deeply with them so this is the method that we are taking and um, you know we are keeping our burn really less so that you know we can have even higher sales cycle but then we should be able to sustain without raising too much money and without burning too much money and then um, as we grow along you know we are, as we grew along as well we found a lot of opportunities in manufacturing where we can you know use the technology to various aspects so now um, we have roadmap built for the next 2 years and we will be filing another 20 patents that we will be you know uh, in the ai space and uh, computer vision space and that will take us much more stronger into the manufacturing sector so we want to be in the you know manufacturing sector for at least next to 10 to 15 years for sure nice so 20 patents that's great that's wonderful so what what i'm hearing you saying is your strategy is uh one of customer intimacy really building out deep relationships with large manufacturers and focusing on and correct me if i'm wrong what i call unscalable projects I meaning you know you're you're still in that learning phase what is it they need and then using building some maybe some common libraries common tools that you can use across many places but you're not building a um you know a massive one size fits all product is that is that fair uh, no actually we have one size fits all kind of a platform but it is focused especially on a specific industry like for example it works perfectly for the automotive uh, uh, you know um, automobile industry 
and then it works great for um, you know uh, electrical and electronics industry but other industry vertical it may not fit so currently we are only working with these industries and then once we mature here then we would plan to move on to other industries where we will build a different product to match their needs got it okay no thank you i appreciate that correction um so as as you're also looking for, um as we think about your journey of where you started from selling firecrackers to now, if you could go back in time, what would you tell your younger self about the entrepreneurial journey? Would, would, would you, what advice would you give yourself? Um, that's a very uh, interesting question. So there's a lot of things to, you know, say about, about what should not be done, what should be done. But if I go back in time and then I have to start something, I would say um, plan your, I would have done this, like plan your enterprise, you know, have a clear uh, um, fundraise plans, have a clear, uh, um, you know, advisors plan, and then uh, uh, have a great uh, CMO. So those are the things I would do. So I will start with, uh, you know, uh, the advisor basically. I think um, maybe uh, all the advisors should think about this if somebody is, uh, you know, is the advisor getting this. Like how you have now the investors are streamlined. Like for example, you know, earlier days there was no investment, no investors or no pitch events, no streamlined uh, investment process. Today, if you see the, you know, all the investors, all the VCs are, have a streamlined process. So they have a, a person to understand um, each and every company, and then they have one layer to filter, and then finally they go ahead. So the same way, if advisors can some come up with something like that, like a great professor can hear, uh, you know, five to six startups uh, pitch every month, and sign up to one startup being an advisor for them. So like that, if they start doing it, it'll be really helpful for the startups because uh, one of the important aspect, large customers also VCs look for is who are your advisors technically? If, do you have any research or a PhDs or uh, uh, great advisors from you know, big universities in your board? And that will actually really boost well, not just to showcase to VCs, not just to showcase to customers, also internally for the team, because they bring in a di different perspective altogether. So I would start every, you know, if I was, you know, I have to go back, rewind myself, I would start my every company with these kind of researchers who can be in our team initially. So they will be the first people to on, be onboarded and they will help you to hire technical staff. That's the process I would have if I have to go back and change something. That's a, that's a start. Got it. So, so basically uh, there was a lot of things that you didn't know and you learned through the school of hard knocks. Yes. And if you'd had an advisor, maybe you would have eliminated a few of them. And shortened your journey, right? So yeah, you crisply put it across, Philip. That was great. Thanks. <laughs> right. So that's wonderful. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, stepping up and becoming now. You can officially be added to the the savvy founder, you know, elite, uh, willing to share your journey with other founders and and help them maybe uh, be an advisor to them and help them shorten their journey as well. Um, I really appreciate our conversation today, Raj. Thank you. Thank you, Philip. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for listening. I hope you found something that can help you shorten your journey. Raj's advice was wonderful. 
please be sure to leave a five-star review. And if you want to speak with me on any topic or be on the show, you can, you can book time with me at asktheSavvyFounder.YouCanBook.me. I'll have it in the show notes. Thank you. Wishing you a bright and profitable future in both your personal and business life. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and check out our website for tips, thesavvyfounder.com. You can also follow Philip on Clubhouse at The Savvy Founder. Wishing you a profitable and bright future. Safe journeys. See you next week.